those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue our study through the book of James, the Proverbs of the New Testament. There's so much good just meat in there for how we live out our lives. So I want you to go ahead and do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of James. James chapter two, we're gonna start reading in just a moment down in verse number 14. If you are new to North Star and you've only come the last two weeks, you're like, Dude, is it like double ARP Sunday at North Star? Who's the old guy, right? Because we've had Sellers and last week we had Casey. Didn't they do a great job? Would y'all let those guys know what a great job they did? I got to be here last week and sit in. It was so fun. But man, we're so glad and pumped to be back and uh, to, to saddle this up with you this morning. But before we move on to the service, uh, you were probably like me when you tuned in and you cut on the news this weekend. What's going on over in the Middle East is a mess. It's a mess. Uh, I read an article last night that said it's the Pearl Harbor for Israel. It was just a shocking thing that, that that country woke up to, that nation woke up to. And, you know, the nation of Israel, this whole book centers out, much of it, out of that little area the size of New Jersey, so much of our uh, life that we know centers out of that area, and there'll be a day that all the eyes of the world will be there on Israel at the end of times, and you know, today, I think it's apropos that we would take a moment in our services to pray for our brothers and sisters there, some that know the Lord, many of whom who don't. They know of the one true God, but they have not found Jesus yet. And, and that little area of Jerusalem has been in contention, right, since the time of Abraham, who we'll read about here in just a second. The, the Israelis and the Palestinians have been fighting over this region, but we need to pray for our friends in Israel. They have stood as a friend of the United States for years and years, and we need to stand alongside them. So would y'all join me in a word of prayer right where you're seated this morning? whether you're watching online or sitting in the chapel or in the, the uh, theater, out on the patio, we just take a moment and pray for the protection of the people? Would you pray for the families that have been affected? Some who went to bed and life was normal and woke up and life will never be normal again. you pray for peace there's no more bloodshed or pain to be inflicted on any of the folks there God today we we're so far away but it really is it's close to us what we believe and who we are and father we pray for these people God some whom many of us in this room may know and others that we've never met, but you know them. God, you've got a plan for them. God, today we lift up our friends there. God, would you protect them, watch over them, guard them, heal them. God, we stand today in prayer over that whole region. God, would you, the author of peace, bring peace. And Father, that is our prayer 
and we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Boy, keep, keep uh, the nation of Israel in your prayers. Let's talk James chapter two. It's interesting. This book, James, is written by the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James, brother of Jesus, did not believe till after the resurrection. He came to Christ uh, after he saw his brother post-resurrection and he comes to faith in Christ and becomes the early church pastor and he writes what might be the hardest hitting book in all of scripture. I mean, it's something that just gets in your business a little bit and makes you think, makes you wonder, it makes you question. It, it is one of those, how many of y'all have somebody that you know that is just honest? Like, you don't ever ask this person their opinion if you ain't got thick skin, all right? How many of y'all know somebody like that? Raise your hand, all right? James, all we know is what he wrote. And James is just, boom, he just lays it out. This is how it is. This is where it is. So here's this church full of the folks from the Jewish faith that have spent their lives earning their faith, right? Living up to it, doing good works. And now they've met Jesus and now they've almost begun to think, well, if I know Jesus, then I don't have to do anything with my faith, which is why this book reads like it reads. James chapter two, would y'all stand with me today in our honor of reading the word of God? James chapter two, we're just gonna look at one verse. Right here in the middle of this letter that he's written, he says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your, what's the next word? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So what good is it if you say you have faith, but you don't do anything with it? What good is it if you say, yes, I believe this, but nothing in your life would ever show that. And then James is gonna unpack what that means for us today. May God bless the reading of his word. You can have a seat. So here at our 1010 service, let's say today that, that uh, we had struck it big, uh, the Powerball hit, I, as a minister of the gospel, would never wanna do that, but if God sent the money, we'll take it, right? And so y'all know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so y'all help me out real quick. Um, let's say I said, I don't know what your plans are this afternoon, or the Falcons and Texans are playing, but I have gotten us an all-expense trip paid down to the Bahamas, where it's warm, the water's beautiful. How many of y'all would be tempted to clear up your plans to make the trip. Raise your hand, all right? So we load up, I get a big old bus parked out there, we load up and, and we all go jump in the bus and we make the trip down to Hartsfield Jackson International Airport and we fly, to, we go down there, we go in the nice little terminal over there, we get in and we get to the gate, you all have your passports and all your stuff, we get to the gate and you look out there and the plane that I have booked only has one wing. All right, it only's got like this. How many of you go, 
Mike, I love you, but I think I'll watch the Falcons and Texans, all right? And so, you know, how many of y'all would say, I think I'm out on the trip? Raise your hand, why? Because a plane flies best with how many wings? Two. Don't you think about this. Faith and actions are two-winged Christian life. To have one, to only have actions with no faith is good deeds. To only have faith with no actions, is it really faith at all? And that's what James is writing about. Here we go, principle number one. Real faith is not just something I say. It's not just something I say. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? First John, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Matthew, Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. All right, everybody look up here. What James is saying is, saying you're a Christian, saying you go to church, saying that it's important to you is a very different thing than believing. It's easy in the world that we live in to say the right thing, but not live the right thing. So we live in a, we live in a culture, it's okay to be a Christian. I mean, people will put it on their LinkedIn profile. People even running for office will say, I'm a Christian, and that's great, right? It's easy. You can say that. There will come a day in our, maybe in our lifetime, maybe in our, our kids' lifetime or our grandkids' lifetime, it's not gonna be easy to say you're a Christian. There's gonna be something you have to account for. But right now, it's, it's pretty easy to say. And what James is saying is, it's more, and I want you to write, here's the, here's the phrase, lip service. It's more than lip service. It's more than just with my lips, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, I go to North Star. Yeah, 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 I go to church. Yeah, 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 my granddad was a, a Christian. He took me to church. James is saying it's more than what you say because look at what Paul said in the book of Romans. It's gonna pop up on the screen. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and what's the next word, right? You openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you what? In your where? That God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What, what Paul is saying is, it's more than just what you say, there's been a takeover of your heart. That this God that you speak of has stepped in your life and transformed you. Here's the word, I want you to write down in your outline and we're gonna move on, here we go. Surrendered, you've surrendered your life. It's more than what you say. There's been a lot of people that miss heaven based on what Jesus said because of this 12 inches from here to here. They say it, but they've never surrendered. They say it, but they've never yielded their heart. Life is still all about them. When you yield your heart to Jesus, your life is no longer about you anymore. Your life is about him. 
That's what James is saying to this early church because they're getting it and they're, they're, they're in this new faith and they really don't even know what it means. And James is going, listen, it's more than just what you say. Saying the right thing is one thing. How many of y'all have ever known somebody who said that they were a Christian, but you looked at their actions and you went, man, I don't know. Raise your hand if you've ever known somebody like that, all right? Some people might be saying that about us, right? I mean, it's, it's I, I've heard them say it, but I've never seen a change. It's more than what you say. Number two, not only is it more than what you say, it's more than something I feel. It's more than something that I feel. This is, this is powerful. I'm telling you, James will get all up in your business about how you live out your faith journey. Listen to what he says. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, well, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, stay well. Then you don't give that person any food or clothing? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead, and here's the word. It's dead and what? What good is it? What's it worth? Congratulations, you say you have faith, but you saw a need. And here's what James is saying. This is, take it out on James, don't take it out of me. Here's what James says. You didn't give a flying rip. Because it wasn't you. See, until we meet Jesus, our lives are about ourselves. When we yield our lives to Jesus, when we give our hearts over, all of a sudden it isn't about us anymore. It's about somebody who doesn't know. And James is saying, listen, your faith should affect how you care. Jesus told the story. We're gonna do a little Bible knowledge quiz here. Jesus told the story as a parable of the good what? Some of y'all aren't real sure. He stayed up late last night watching that Georgia Tech win. But anyway, so the good Samaritan, right? So the good Samaritan, a guy's laying beaten on the road. Priest, Levite, who should know what to do. The Bible says they walk by him. Now, we think of I-285, well, they may not have seen him over in the other media. No, 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 no. This is a little bitty road, which means they almost had to step over him. But they were headed somewhere important because their schedule was busy and they didn't have time to stop. And then came the Samaritan, the least likely hero of the story. He cared. He stopped. He bandaged up his wounds. He put him on his own donkey. He paid his fare at the hotel and left him spending money to take care. So basically Jesus says, so which one really cared? Well, the one that stopped, who loved his neighbor. Real faith is not just something I say. Salvation Army. World Vision, Compassion International to help 
hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids. Where did it begin? It began with somebody who saw a need and said, I can't stand that a kid's going hungry at night and I can do something about it. Booth couldn't stand that there were people outside his building that were cold and he said, let's light a fire for them, let's get a blanket for them. That's how the Salvation Army started. It started with somebody who cared, they stopped. Their faith would not allow them to walk by. Years ago here at North Star, we had a gentleman, he got saved, he was 63 years old when he came to know Christ. And I remember him walking up to me going, we need to do something for men that have had a hard time in life and they are on the down and out with their kid or they have expenses coming, we need to put on a dinner in their honor. Let's, let's call it hog, helping one guy. He had no background in it. He had been in, he had been in the restaurant business and the, and the uh, t-shirt business. I mean, he, he had no background in that. He just cared. And he's like, I'll figure it out. And now they've given over $400,000 to people who are in a time of need in their life. There's a dinner coming up this Wednesday night that if you've never been to it, you need to come. Helpingoneguy.org is the, is the website. And... You just come, you make a donation, and all the money goes to that family. What, how did all that start? It started from one guy who said, we gotta stop. My faith is more than what I say. My faith is more than how I feel. This is what Spurgeon said, listen to this. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. The grace that doesn't change my life will not save my soul. It's more than how I feel. Number three, real faith is not just something I think. It's not just something that I think. It's not just something I mentally assent to. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe there's one God, well, good for you. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy plays no games. Good for you, congratulations. Listen to what he says. Even the demons believe it and they tremble in terror. All right, everybody look up here at me. Believing he is who he said he is is something even the demons of hell believe. Why doesn't it change them? They won't accept what he did for them. They will not surrender their will or their lives here to here. There are some of us sitting in the seats of North Star. We wonder why our kids come home from their classes on a Sunday morning or a squad on a Wednesday night or HSM on Sunday night or Wave on Tuesday night. And it just seems like their faith is so different than ours. Do you know why? Because their faith is more than just what they say, feel, and think. And I wanna say this in the right way. <clears throat> One day we will all answer for what we believe. You can, read, you can read all about it in the New Testament. We're all gonna answer, who is Jesus to you? Not, not who Jesus was to your mom, not who he was to your dad or your uncle or your aunt, who was Jesus to you? 
Was he a good guy? Oh my God, I believe there was a guy. But has it ever moved past what you think to what you believe? It's more than, real faith is not just what you think. When that day comes, your North Star magnet ain't gonna help you. Do you know who he is for you? For you. Not who he is for him. Who is he for you? James tells him, even the demons believe in him and shudder. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Here's the phrase I want you to write down. We're gonna move on. Christ at work in me. Christ at work in me. The day you say yes to Jesus, he takes up residence in your life and he begins, everybody look at me, he begins to live out through you. That means he changes how you lead, it changes how you serve, it changes how you work, it changes how you feel, it changes how you think, changes how you love. He changes you from the inside out. He begins to live out. It's Christ and it's not you manufacturing good deeds. It's you going, he lives in me. I gotta do something with this. I gotta serve. It's not about me anymore. I know Jesus, I'm going to heaven, I'm fine. It's about me doing something for somebody else. That's what he's saying to this early church. Listen, everybody look at me. You sit here today because somebody cared about somebody else other than themselves. That's why we sit here. And James is saying, when he lives out who he is through you, it changes every part about you. Two weeks from now, I've got a podcast coming out with a guy named Ted Barrett. Ted Barrett, 34 year major league umpire, more World Series and uh, playoff games than any umpire in history, in major league history. Ted Barrett is a sold out believer. It's what he's known for in, in the baseball world. He has his master's degree in, in theology as an umpire. <laughs> That's crazy, all right? And so anyway, so we're talking and uh, I was saying, when did it become real for you? He said, Mike, I'd been in the league a couple years. I had come to know Christ, but there were parts of my life that hadn't changed yet. So there was a game where the White Sox were playing. I forgot who they were playing. There was a bang, 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 bang play at second base. I made the call. And umpiring, somebody's always mad at you, all right? And so I made the call, and this, this coach comes running out, and I mean, we're going nose to nose. And he said, literally, I am stringing together every cuss word that I know to get him out of my face, because that's what I did. That's how I lived. And he said, we're going at it, and he goes back to the dugout, and I'm, you know, out in the middle of the field and the center fielder for the Chicago White Sox comes running by him and taps him and said, Teddy, you're better than that. Center fielder is named Chris Singleton. He's a believer. Well, he said, well, that was the wrong thing because now I'm yelling at him and cussing him out and telling him to mind his own business as he goes out to center field. And he said, I got home that day to my hotel room and God convicted my heart. Because if Christ is in you, it changes how you live and how you talk. 
He said the next day he saw Singleton and said, hey man, we need to talk. He's like, no, 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 Teddy, we're good. He's like, no, I need to ask your forgiveness. You see, when we begin to live, one of the most humbling things in my life is when I go out to a game and an umpire walks up before the game I'm coaching starts and says, hey, I go to North Star. I'm like, thank you for that in advance, all right? And so, um, it's very important information, very important. It's not just what we think. Real faith is demonstrated by what I do. He goes on and he tells about Abraham and Rahab. Abraham takes his son Isaac and he offers him as a sacrifice. Well, did Abraham really believe if he wouldn't have said yes when God tapped him on the shoulder? Great question. Rahab, so he was the, the Jewish and then Rahab, the Gentile, the prostitute, hid the spies in the book of Joshua. She showed her faith by her actions. Can I ask you a question today? How authentic is your faith? Not your wife's faith, or your son's faith, or your grandchild's faith, your faith. Everybody look at me. I didn't say it at 8.50, so you, somebody in here must need this. Nobody should ever wonder where you stand with Jesus. If he's at work in you, everybody look at me, you are gonna be different than this world. Yes or no, is our world getting brighter or darker? Which one? That's not a yes or no question, so don't judge me. All right, so put that in, you're gonna file that in later. So that was a stupid question. All right, is the world getting brighter or darker? Which one? Well, if he's in you, your light should be bright. I don't know where we stand in all the last days conversations. I, I, I have no idea. I got a book on my shelf, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. All right, and so that tells you the thing. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That book scared me to death, man. I was like, Lord, just let me get married. All right, and so I remember. Anyways, hold another deal there. But. Here's what I know. Somebody needs the Jesus in you. Some of us may be sitting there going, I don't know if he's in me, and that's something we can take care of today. Would you pray with me? Whew. Father, this passage is like a punch in the gut. Not in a bad way either, in a good way. Because it makes me go, who is Jesus to me? Who is he to me? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, Mike, I've always gone to church. I got all the pins, I got all the ribbons, I got all the stuff, but I don't know if I've got Jesus. Today's the day. If that's you, would you just cry out to him right where you are right now and say, Jesus, would you step out of heaven and step in my heart? I surrender my life to you. Whew. 
Father, I want North Star to be a church that doesn't have the fanciest of anything. It's the church that's full of people who let Jesus live through them. I care about the one in the Dominican that needs church to worship him and a roof over their head. But they also care about the one in Ackworth. It's got a need that's bigger than them that we can help with. Father, the greatest sign of spiritual maturity we've always said is how we treat others and how we believe about others. Father, may Jesus live through us and may others break our hearts till they know you. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.